Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, let's go right back to the phones. And joining us as he does every week from Tightline Outdoors, Mr. Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm hearing such reports about great things going on, and I know you're going to talk big walleyes today. Did you hear my, I don't know if you got to hear my recommendation to Nicole up at Lake John, though. You know, the fishing up there, they're catching some big fish, and you and I are going to talk as we get into the weeks, more scouting for big game. We actually started a while ago. Um, Combine a fishing trip. Get up to where you're going to hunt, do some fishing, because you don't have to scout all day, right? Just mostly morning and evenings. Is that when you do most of your scouting? I mean, I mean that's it, Terry. I actually am just coming off the mountain right now, still pretty remote up here. Um, you know, I saw probably 35 bulls this morning, kind of having to do my shopping around. But exactly, if you get a good early start on your scouting, I mean, literally by 7, 8 a.m., you can be wrapped up for the day. And, and exactly, that midday fishing is fantastic. You know, the bugs hatch and fishing really gets cranking. So it's a great combination to, to combine your scouting and your fishing right now. And, and you're going to have the best of all worlds. Oh, absolutely. And it's just a great time. And sometimes you might hesitate to get out there and scout. But if you know you're going to spend the day fishing, it may get you up there when you wouldn't go. But you wanted to talk about, it. my note says big walleyes. There are no big walleyes in Colorado. <laughs> you know, Terry, it, it's that time of year where you know as well as me, it, it's literally you would struggle to go anywhere else in the country and have the have the high number days that we're having here in Colorado. I mean, we used to always say that 100 fish days were high. Will this week had, had a couple of 200 fish days. Um, I've had some, some high, you know, 180 fish days. I mean, it, it's absolutely incredible. Um, the opportunity at, at the numbers of walleyes you can catch when the timing's right. When, when last year's bait fish is getting a little too big, when this year's bait fish hasn't moved out to the basin yet. Um, I mean, there's just a, a magic small window where, where the fishing is incredible. We have these, you know, insanely high number days. With that being said, you know, I had a day at Chatfield earlier this week where I did like 160-something fish, um, and I was able to, to cap, you know, keep like five or six legal fish. And everything else was that, that sub-legal, that mature male 17-inch walleye, and it kind of is what it is. Um, but I get, I, I don't want to say I get frustrated, but, you know, I, I kind of get weird when so many people complain that we don't have big walleyes, but in reality, they're just not catching them. I mean, we have literally some of the biggest walleyes in the country and that these bodies of waters your cherry creek chatfield have tremendous numbers of good fish it's just so many people are used to all the walleyes hanging together maybe even in other states where you know you get young fish and big and you know young fish and small fish and big fish mingling where you catch both here in colorado we have a very distinct separation and if you're out there catching those smaller 16 17 inch fish more than likely, your odds of catching a big fish are not there. So you have to change tactics. So today, I wanted us to talk about some of the things that you could do to approach those bigger fish. I know in the last couple of shows, we've just said go shallower, go shallower. I'd love to dive into that just a little bit and just talk about how anglers can, can seek out those bigger fish. Because again, you know we have those big fish opportunities. They're going to take a little more dedication. Obviously you're not going to have near the opportunity at the numbers of those fish, but 
for an angler that wants those chances, that those fish do exist. And it's one of those things that uh, I don't think a lot of people understand the, the concept of how they target them. Well, you know, just to reinforce your point, I took my boat out to run it this week, and Karen and I hadn't planned on doing much fishing, but we stopped along a riprap, figuring there'd be some walleye shallow. Karen was able to catch some. I couldn't, but she caught some. <laughs> um, but as we were coming off the lake, uh, and we only fished about 45 minutes. As we were coming off the lake, um, I saw the guys from Parks and Wildlife were out there. They were netting panfish to uh, test the panfish population. They texted me when I got home a picture of a 30-plus-inch walleye. So yep. uh, you're, you're absolutely right. And I couldn't agree with you more that you, if you're just because you're catching fish doesn't mean eventually you're going to catch a big one. Big walleyes got big by having different habits. So how do we approach them, Nate? You know, the, the biggest thing I think, the, the number one way I would say is, is the use of crankbaits. This is going to be kind of odd, but those bigger females, they, they never want to compete for food. So the last thing they want to do is sit on structure with a pile of those younger, immature fish that are, that are aggressive. They're fast. Everything about them has more energy than those bigger females. So those bigger females tend to nomad out, and they tend to go out to the basins of the lake, and they suspend, much like they would on the Great Lakes or some of your bigger bodies of water in the Midwest. So all of a sudden, these bigger fish, instead of being on structure where 95% of the pressure of a Colorado you know, society is putting pressure on those fish, these fish are going to suspend on the bigger bait fish from last year to where – you know, the, the younger fish, those fish on all the roadbeds and all the structures and all the points, you know, they can feed on shad up to about three, three and a half inches. And after that, it starts to get a little large for them. That's where these bigger fish, the 25, 28, 30-inch fish, they have no problem eating a, a four, five-inch shad from last year. So they have, no, they have a, a lot bigger diet options because they can eat the bigger food source. They can also eat stalker rainbows. They can eat bluegills. Um, so they have a lot more options for food, but those fish, generally speaking, are going to suspend in open water. So like at Chatfield this week, I went looking for some bigger fish, and those fish were sitting 12 to 15 feet down over 30 to 40 feet of water. So they were, they were fairly dramatically suspended there. At Cherry Creek, it's common to find those fish like 10 to 15 down over 20 feet of water. Um, at Pueblo, I know those fish are, are down about 18 feet um, over about 60 to 80 feet of water. Um, so, again, it's pretty common across the board of all the reservoirs that those bigger females are suspended. So my my go-to approach is to pull crankbaits to those fish. You know, right now our water's in the 70 degrees. Um, you can pull a flicker shad. You can pull a jointed flicker shad. And then here in about a week or so, when our water gets just a little warmer, you can start pulling real high-action baits like hot and tots. Uh, or like Norman Middle Inns. But right now, uh, a shad profile bait, like a flicker shad, but something a little larger, like a size 7 or even a size 9, uh, is going to be a go-to bait. And you can use the precision trolling app on your phone. You can literally go out to the lake, find the fish, figure out how deep they are. And if you need to figure out how to get your bait down there, you can literally just go to a shallow shoreline, find that same depth, let out line until your bait starts nicking bottom, you know how much line to let out and go back out to those fish out, out in the deeper basin and find that. But the key with those bigger fish is catering to them. Don't make them work for the bait so much. So go out, find those fish, and put those crankbaits, you know, 
four, six, seven inches above their head. That's going to be the ideal strike zone where you're going to catch those fish. And right now with these temperatures, you can clip along pretty good. We're doing a lot of trolling speeds of like 1.6, 1.8 miles an hour. Uh, in some situations, we're even cranking it up to the two-mile-an-hour mark to where you can really cover some water. Um, but trolling crankbaits is probably my my first option to getting those those bigger fish. The second thing we do is a lot of times we slow down a little bit. We slow down to one mile an hour. And we take larger crawler harnesses. So, so many of us are used to buying crawler harnesses that we pull behind a bottom bouncer, you know, on structure. I like taking a little bit larger one. So, my general, like, crawler harness, or what we call a spinner rig, um, I run five millimeter beads and I run six beads uh, above my hook. So, I have two hooks and I run six five millimeter beads. Then I run a quick change clevis. Then I run three to four beads above that clevis just to give it a big profile. And this time of year, I love running like a size five Colorado blade. I'll put a big night crawler on there, and I troll that at one mile an hour. Um, And I actually use a one-ounce weight to get myself down to depth. With that one-ounce weight at one mile an hour, finding your depth is pretty easy. If you need to get down 10 feet, you double that distance and let out 20 feet of line, and it puts you at that 10 feet of, of, 10 feet of water depth. So, if, again, with spinner rigs, if you have that big spinner with one-ounce weight at one mile an hour, you just take the distance or the, the target depth you're going to, double that number and let out that much line, and it will put you right in that strike zone. And you're going to catch a lot of fish. And the third tactic that we're doing a lot of, and this is great from shore or from a boat, um, both Cherry Creek and Chatfield, Pueblo, we always have areas of the lake that are going to have kind of weeds in it or, you know, again, just more material structure, uh, but not hard structure, especially at Chatfield right now. All of Plum Creek is weeded up. The south end or the southwest arm of Chatfield down by Catfish Flats and Fox Run, we've got a lot of weed growth and and those bigger, healthier fish those, you know, mid 20 inch fish and up are really activating and living in those weeds. And as a walleye angler, we almost always tend to avoid the weeds. Uh, you can take the same, you know, paddle tail jigs that we've been talking about, like a, a three to four inch, you know, paddle tail swim bait style jig, put that on a jig head and you can swim those baits just above those weeds um, and it's catching a lot of big fish so right now between the crankbaits and spinners or or working basically a swim bait over the weed um, those are three techniques that right now are producing big fish and if you do it right there's a good chance of catching literally a, a fish of a lifetime right here on these front range waters but again you have to leave the traditions everybody wants to to continue with the live bait rigs and continue with the jigs on the areas where we're catching fish. If you start catching those 17-inch fish, you need to move because you're not going to catch those big fish mixed in with those younger fish. So that's probably the biggest advice out there. If you want bigger fish, the second you start catching smaller ones, move on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm going to make two points. One is I used to live by Cherry Creek Reservoir, and we'd get to this time of the year, I used to actually take my boat. People think, oh, the boats are going to scare all these fish. Well, if you didn't eat when a boat went over you at Cherry Creek, you'd be like living next door to an airport and never <laughs> sleeping. You know, I mean, it, it, it just becomes part of the, the environment. And I used to actually get in line where the ski boats were going and troll crankbaits not that far behind the boat, almost in my wake, because those ski boats would run over schools of shad. And when they did, those shad would get stunned. And those big walleyes would be down there eating. Now, I wouldn't catch many fish, two or three a day, but they were big fish out there just picking off those shad 
that got stunned by the speedboats. I don't know if that's still applicable out there. It may be still, so busy. Still it's almost impossible. I mean, you, you, the more activity on the surface, our fish get used to them. It's almost like having a really good walleye chop. The, the more disturbance on the top, the more disturbed the bait fish get, and the more excited those bigger walleyes get. And we, we say the same thing. I would say on average when I'm chasing big fish, I'm literally chasing two to four bites a day. Now, you might miss them all, and it might be a tough day. You might stick them all. But of those two to four bites, I mean, you are seeing mid-20-inch fish all the way up to those 30 to 32-inch fish. Um, So, I mean, it's a big fish opportunity. But, again, it takes that dedication and time. Uh, But, again, for all of those that are frustrated looking for those bigger fish, those are the three tactics that hands down are going to catch the biggest fish at the end of the day. And um, for everybody out there that just keeps hoping, you know, hey, if I catch 100 of these, I'm going to catch a big one. It's not the case. I mean, we literally see, I mean, if you had to run hard numbers, I hate to say it, but if you do the traditional live bait rigs on structure, we, we probably only see a real big fish, one for every 10,000 little ones. Um, the odds aren't there because those big fish don't hang there. Um, so separate yourself from those little fish, and that's going to be your, your path to finding bigger fish in our front range waters here in Colorado. We are out of time, Nate. If people want more information or to book a trip, how do they find you? Absolutely. You can give us a call uh, on our, our main phone number. You can get us on our website, tightlineoutdoors.com. Our, our, most of our updates and uh, most of our information is available on our Facebook page. It's Tightline Outdoors. Uh, yeah, we'd love to get in touch with you and love to get you on the water. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. Not Nate Zielinski. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. You know, they've been serving the outdoor public for over 65 years. I've been a longtime customer of theirs. Let's go right to the phone. Speaking of Jack's, joining us from Jackson, Fort Collins, is Dave Gross. Good morning, Dave. Hi, Terry. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for coming on. Hey, we are excited to be partnering with Jack's. I want to tell you that, that my relationship with Jacks goes back in the 90s. You guys used to actually sell VHS copies of my television show. That's That shows you how long we've both been around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's really great. I'm glad this partnership came about. And, you know, Jacks is just a great five locations of the outdoor store, seven, I think, total locations because you've got some combo stores and some that are just farm. But uh, you guys have a great presence on the front range, and uh, we're looking forward to doing things with you. Now, I know you're an avid outdoorsman. I want to talk about some fishing gear, but before we do, have you heard anything out there about maybe some good bites we can turn people on to? Well, the bass bite, especially in the evening, the topwater bite has been good. During the day for the bass, fishing your plastics, Cinco on a wacky rig or doing the Ned rig or the Ned bomb on a shroom head during the day and fishing that slow has been good but the the night bite the evening bite for the bass has been really good actually took and the boy out last night and caught some nice ones on a rebel popar yeah and that's a great in fact we're going to get really into fishing topwater baits with chad lachance later on in the show and that's a great opportunity this time of the year And the bass fishing in Colorado, some in lakes, but a lot of smaller lakes and ponds can really be fantastic. And you can almost do as well from shore as a boat, can't you? 
Yes, you can. We were fishing off the shore last night, fishing a pond that was not 200 yards long and 100 yards wide and catching 16 to 19-inch bass. That's pretty nice. Now, if people people come in. The one thing about jacks, if people come in, we got so many new anglers that are out there, people that just need a little help. If they come in, you guys are out there doing it, not just selling the stuff, and you have the gear there. If somebody doesn't know what a Ned rig is, and they come in, you're going to show them, show them how to rig it and how to use it, aren't you? Yeah, yes, we are. Everybody back here that works here at the Fort Collins store, we're all fishermen and fisherwomen, so we're here to help. Sometimes you might have to be a little bit patient these days with all the new people and selling licenses and being at the counter, but we're here to help. Now, speaking of all the new people, there has been a rush. I was talking to Randy Hampton from Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and they don't have a total yet, but I think they thought one month this spring already, license sales had been up 30%. So we're gonna, we're seeing a lot of people. We're seeing a lot of people out there, Dave, that probably didn't fish much. Maybe they never fished at all, or maybe they got away from fishing, but because of the travel restrictions and COVID, they're looking for activities close to home. So now they want to get back out and go fishing. A lot of these people don't have gear anymore. They don't even have a fishing rod. And, you know, and there's really a range of how they can get started. Let's say I'm a new fisherman or a family angler. I come into Jack's, I come into the Jack's in Fort Collins, and I've I got a couple kids and myself, and I want to outfit us. Where would you start us out? How, what, how much money do I have to spend, and what kind of maybe combos can you get me started with? Right now, at our store in Fort Collins, we have the Quantum Optics combos in a variety of sizes. Um, they're only $30, and it's a good it's a good quality outfit. Uh, usually, we'll have some outfits that are starting at $16 and going up from there. Just things are in short supply right now. Um, but we do have plenty of the Optics combos, and then we have the nicer Quantum Strategy combo, which jumps up to $80. So a person can really those, get going right now for less than $40. They can get a rod and reel, get some tackle, get some bait, or get a couple lures, and for less than 40 bucks, they can get out there and go fishing. Minus now, are those, combos, are those combos available both in push-button and a spinning rod? We do have also some um, Zepco Quantum push-button rods and reels starting at $16. And and I, you and I talked earlier in the week, and you mentioned one, the Zebco 33. Now, when I was a kid, I started fishing with a Zebco 202. It was pretty flimsy, and if it made it through the season, I was lucky. But they've come a long way. They've improved those. Uh, but then I'd buy another one because they were inexpensive. But that Zebco 33 was really a step up, isn't it? It's a pretty quality reel. It is, yeah. It's got a metal frame instead of plastic frame. Better gears inside, so as long as you do your part and take care of it, it'll last. It'll last for a very long time. Well, and, and I want to kind of explain to the starting people why would I get a push button instead of an open spinning reel? Now, I have several push button rods at my house because my grandkids will come up and fish. Eventually, I want to take them into regular spinning gear and teach them that. But when they're young and starting out, you just eliminate the tangles. You eliminate having to handle the line at the reel. 
the push button reels are just uh, they and when they came out in the fifties or sixties, whenever it was, they really opened up fishing to a lot of people. And you can handle some big fish on those. They're just a different style, but they really can be trouble-free. And they're just a great way to get started. What does a, a nice Zebco 33 combo go for? $29. Boy, that's just... And those got, they have line on them already and everything, right? You just get the rod reel and a couple lures, you're ready to go. Right, yep. They come with the line. There's a couple different sizes to fit the type of fishing you want to do, and you're ready to go. Now, if I want to step up, um, I, I've come in, I've got back into fishing, and I, instead of a starter combo, I actually want a nicer spinning rod, something that might last me for several years, something that I could use at almost any situation. Uh, my favorite reel is the Fluger President. I actually fill, use those reels to film my television show. They're extremely good quality. You have the Fluger President reels there, and they're not that expensive, are they? No. The, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, the Fluger President, uh, $60. Um, it's a great reel. It's pretty much all I use myself. And I had noticed so that on some of your TV shows that I'd seen you, seen you using those. And so that was pretty yeah, exciting. Yeah, it's a gr- I would fish tournaments with a Fluger President reel. I just believe in that reel. You know, I was sponsored by Fluger and, and Abu Garcia and Pure Fishing for years, and I could have gotten, and they sent me some of the more expensive two, three, four hundred $400 reels. And I said, you know what? Those are great. I love to fish with them, but I want to fish with the stuff the average angler can come in. He's going to get a really quality piece of equipment, and that, um, it's within his price range because I want to get more people out fishing. And I'll tell you what, I'm a big believer in that Fluger president. But now I've got that reel. What do you suggest? Do you have a rod you might suggest I pair that with? Um, I'm a big fan of the Fenwick rods, um, starting with the Eagle for $60. And I also like the HMX and the HMG, all for under $100. Uh, really good rods, good warranty. Lots of different actions and lengths. So it'll be a really good combo with the President and a Fenwick, and you can do that for $110. And now you've got a rod and reel that will last you for years, and you can use for almost any kind of fishing. Just lots right. of great stuff. We are running out of uh, out of time, Dave, but I want to thank you for coming on. We are so excited to have Jacks on with us. And if people, um, you're at you're at the you're at the Fort Collins store right now, aren't you? Correct. Yes, I'm calling from our store right now. So if somebody wants to come in and talk about maybe some of the things we talked about, how long are you there today? I am here till 8 o'clock tonight. All right. Well, Dave, we're looking forward to having you on more, and we'll talk about more gear. What we're going to do is do a segment every other week about gear or conditions or something going on at the store. We're really excited to have Jax on board with us. And, Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Terry. We're happy to be on board. All right. I look forward to stopping by the store and visiting with you. That's Dave Gross from Jack's Outdoors. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoors. They're still they're growing up and still having fun. Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Um, If you're looking for a Father's Day gift, whether you're 
the, your father's into kayaking, hiking, hunting, camping, even grilling, need outdoor clothing or accessories. You, there are five locations, Fort Collins, Loveland, Lafayette, Broomfield, and now Cheyenne. You won't, you won't do better than going there for get that last-minute Father's Day gift. A couple of things I want to talk to you about. We're going to talk more fishing, by the way. Um, we're going to, uh, coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk specifically about targeting some of those uh, topwater bites that are going on right now. But if you like what you hear on this show, you can follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We highlight a lot of the segments. Uh, we put links to the to the podcasts up here. If you're if you want to go back, you can always go back and listen to the podcast on 1043thefan.com. But a lot of times we'll take key ones and I'll make some comments. I'll fill them in and talk to you about uh, you know just certain aspects of it, or I'll tie them to uh, one of my past articles in the Denver Post. We're also going to start doing more trivia. I've got to line up some gifts, but soon we'll start doing some trivia. And when we do trivia, we always put the answer in our um, Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, uh, the week prior to the trivia. So if you're following us or liking us on Facebook, you have a better chance at winning the trivia. And we give away some pretty good prizes. They're usually in the... 25 to $75 range. So we do pretty good and it's a lot of fun. So you want to follow us on Facebook, but I want to mention our YouTube channel. It came up a couple times today. Brad and I, Brad Peterson and I were talking about bottom bouncers. Well, there's a, there's an episode on my YouTube channel, the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom that shows us on Pueblo reservoir right here in Colorado, running bottom bouncers from both the back and the front of the boat using a kicker motor and the front trolling motor. We did 22 seasons of television, and in those 22 seasons, we, uh, we, we, we did Mountain States Fishing, which was filmed right here in your backyard, and we did Angling adventure, Adventures, where we traveled from the Arctic Circle to the equator and highlighted destinations, but even some of those destinations were right here in Colorado. So there's an abundance of shows that were filmed right in your backyard, with information that's still very good, and we go through a lot of the techniques. Nate and I were talking about trolling for crankbaits. I have a couple shows on there that just show you how to troll for crankbaits. So a lot of great information there on both our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing, with uh, Terry Wickstrom, and then our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Tell you what, we're going to take a quick break, and we come back. Chad Lachance is going to join us. We're going to talk top water, which is really, there's some, you heard even the, the guys from Jack's talking, there's some incredible topwater action going on right right now. All that and more coming up. Uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you by Jack's Outdoors. Growing up and still having fun. So, so now you play one of my favorite Eagles songs. Well, Chad is waiting, and I had him call in early. So I guess I better go to him. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. And joining us from Fishful Thinker is Chad Lachance. Good morning, Chad. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing great. It looks like it's going to be just a terrific weekend out there. And uh, lots, there's going to be lots to do outdoors. And I'm looking at my notes here because you and Karen don't ever talk to me. You just tell me what we have to talk about. <laughs> and the notes say you want to talk about topwater fishing, bass, wipers, and in ponds and reservoirs, pop, poppers, frogs. And a couple things struck me. One, one is that um, we've got a lot of new anglers out there, and I don't think anything gets somebody hooked on fishing more than seeing a fish come up and take their lure on top. It's so exciting. 
And the other one is that there's ways to fish top water that you don't get as hung up and makes people less afraid to cast where they need to cast. But go ahead. Tell us about top water fishing. Well, since you started off with the new anglers thing, Terry, I think that's a great point. One of the first lures I hand a kid on a guide trip in my boat uh, is a, is a top water bait. If it's even in the ballpark for the right lure. And the reason is he's not going to snag it. It's not going to sink to the bottom on an open bale and be snagged constantly. And uh, you know, it just floats. If he tangles the line or makes a poor cast, it just sits out there and floats, you know? So there's a lot to be said for the, for the topwater bait from that standpoint. And then the other thing about it, as you also alluded to, is he'll know, they'll know, a new angler will know if you got a bite. You know, I mean, it, it's going to be a visual thing. You're going to see it. It's not going to be like a jig where you're line watching or, you know, something like that. So from that standpoint, the topwater is a great tool. Uh, it also gives even a very experienced angler, like I will commonly use the topwater bait as a search tool. So just to get fish to show themselves. So, for instance, a couple of weeks ago here at Horse Tooth Reservoir where I work, uh, you know, a lot of guide trips and stuff, or, or my company does, um, you know, they'll roll on the bait but not get it. But you throw a popper out there, you twitch it along your shoreline somewhere, and, and they'll come up and blow it up, but they won't get a hold of it. But now I know where that fish is. So I use it as a search tool, and then I can throw back, a, you know, something like a power tube. Or a, These days I'm throwing a lot of the 5-inch maximum generals on wacky rigs, throwing those right behind a, a bullet pop. And then when they miss the popper, you throw the wacky rig back, and you can get them to eat. But uh, there's some really good reasons why the topwater is a great bait for beginners. And this time of year, the reason I wanted to talk about it is it's a viable choice at just about any reservoir in Colorado. And I'm including trout in that scenario you can go up to spinning and you can work a popper and you're going to catch some trout and you might catch some pike in the process so the, the topwater bait is not just a bass lure uh, you alluded to the wipers for sure it's a great choice around wipers or white bass maybe john martin maybe uh boyd maybe uh you know any place that's got wipers and pueblo has been kicking out a bunch of wipers these days topwater bait's a really good call for that scenario as well and then one that i know is close to your heart uh, mine as well. Any bass part in town right now is a great time to throw a topwater bait. And, and you know, you're going to get some bites and find some fish, and it's going to be a really fun way to fish, particularly during the low-light periods, but not only during the low-light periods. So it's a good choice all the way around, but there's differences between the types of poppers and that's or, or types of, of, of topwaters, I should say, and that's the one thing people need to keep in mind. So quickly here around a reservoir situation smallmouth bass um, you know chatfield horse tooth uh, any, any of the reservoirs pueblo any of those i'm these days this time of year i'm tending towards poppers more than i am other topwater baits the smallmouth bass like them uh they're aggressive about it you can work the bait very methodically or very fast just depending on what you want to do so it's a good way to cover water and the popper is the easiest one i think for most people to work in my experience but if I'm going pond fishing and hitting all the bass ponds around, which is this is a fantastic time to do it, then I'm throwing a weedless frog. Uh, I hesitate to talk too much about that on the air, and the reason being is it takes a little bit of specialized equipment. If you're going to throw a topwater weedless frog on a bass pond, you probably need a relatively stiff rod and a relatively aggressive line, some sort of a braided line or something like that is the only limitation. But, man, you can throw it anywhere. It's four-wheel drive. You can throw it in the bushes. You can throw it on the slop and uh, and just generate a lot of bites. Just remember to give yourself a two or three count before you set the hook with that thing and make sure they've got a hold of the bait. So that can be very important as well. Um, but but these days, the the popper and the reservoirs, the the 
the uh, the frog on the ponds, and then maybe just maybe I'd be throwing a, a, a chopo style bait, or uh, people may be familiar, um, you know, with uh, with the chopo. It's got a single blade on the side of it, and or on the back of it, it's it, it's uh, asymmetrical. So the bait makes a really odd noise when you retrieve it, but it can just be straight retrieved, similar to maybe a buzz bait folks may be familiar with. But it will float if you stop it, which makes it a really good choice as well. So. Those are the three that I'm, I'm fishing the most these days, but the popper and the frog are getting most of the heavy lifting. Yeah, and they're just so versatile. I mean, there's so many places you can throw them. Um, I think you and I have spent many, many hours on uh, uh, Horse Tooth Reservoir, and what you mentioned is being a search bait. And I love to catch fish on soft plastics, but soft plastics can be really slow as far as finding baits. You, you run it through and you get a swipe. At least you've located the fish like you noticed. What about panfish, though? Do you go after the panfish on the surface at all? I do, actually. But you know what, Terry? 99% of the time I'm doing that, it's going to be with my fly rod. And a little surface popper on a fly rod is an absolute blast for panfish. And uh, But you got to use a little tiny one, and I'll give people a secret. If it has those big rubber legs sticking off the side of it, cut those things off. Because uh, you see a lot of poppers, you walk into sports glass, you buy a popper. It's got legs sticking out the side of it. It looks great for catching anglers, but something like a bluegill will pop the bait a bunch, and they'll push it away from themselves. And it wasn't until I watched myself fishing on film that I figured out why I was missing a high percentage of the poppers that, or the uh, panfish that bit my little surface poppers. When we watched in super slow motion, their face is literally pushing those rubber bands, little rubber legs, pushing them away. So clip those off, and that's a really good call. Now, if you're a conventional angler and you want to catch panfish on the surface, a really good answer is to take a one-inch gold minnow and trail it on light fluorocarbon right behind a, a small surface popper and uh, and let it hang about 6 to 12 inches behind that popper and then just work the popper with pauses and let it sink. And when, it, when that little minnow with no weight on it, just on the hook, just goes down from the weight of the fluorocarbon and the hook, you will catch a pile of panfish that come up and look at the popper and grab that little minnow on the back of it, and you'll almost never miss those guys. So that's a really good way to catch a bunch of panfish in a hurry. And, uh, by the way, a bigger version of that works really good for smallmouth as well with a 3-inch gold minnow hanging behind a full-size popper is a fantastic way to get fish that are missing the popper. Oh, you're absolutely right. In fact, sometimes I use a popping cork instead of a popper and put a gold minnow behind it on just a hook, and it yep. floats slowly and it undulates behind there and slowly sinks. And and but a, a, having a popper lure gives you two chances to catch the fish. But sometimes there's a few, there's maybe some waves and things, and you just really want to make a commotion. Uh, popping cork will work too. Yeah, absolutely, and that's an old school Southern thing. I mean, anyone that's ever fished in Louisiana or Northwest Florida, they Texas, you know, they throw a lot of popping corks with shrimp behind them. Uh, and that technique works fantastic for trout, too. I mean, you go up to Delaney Buttes or Spinney, and you throw a popper with a minnow hanging behind it, uh, you know, a soft plastic hanging behind it, depending on the legality of where you're at. Uh, you will be amazed at how many trout will come look at that topwater bait and then grab that minnow immediately. And uh, and only hang the kids. Don't get it too far away. It's hard to cast. You only need it like 12 inches, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe 16 inches behind the bait. But really, you know, 6 to 12 inches is fine, just enough to be under the surface film. And that's a great way to catch them. And right, right now, when fish are grouped up like they are, a lot of times, if you hook one on either one of the baits, the other bait will get grabbed while you're fighting it. You can catch them two at a time. So 
that's a very common scenario on guide trips at this time of year. You know, with fish grabs, the topwater bait lines swing around for a minute. You'll see, you'll have a couple of buddies trying to get that thing away from him. So they're fighting over it like pigeons at McDonald's fighting over a French fry. Yeah, well, you know, you're absolutely right. Another thing, throwing a popper with a like a gulp minnow behind it will do for you is throwing an unweighted gulp minnow or one on a very light jig head might be difficult to get enough casting distance. Like if you're schooling white bass on the surface, you don't want to get too close. Throwing it on that popper or even a small crankbait lets you get that out there and make a longer cast. Yeah, for sure. It's almost like a flying a bubble scenario at that point. And, uh, you know, it's the same basic thing that the, the popper is giving you the weight and then the bait that they're going to bite is the, the popper also gives you the attractor. So you get the weight and the attractor and then you get the, the supernatural goat minnow hanging behind it. And like you said, it's on an unweighted hook. Don't put it on a jig head. Just put it on a straight shank hook and three to, thread it on there and uh, nice and straight. Just let it do what it does. Uh, the other thing I do is I join that with a loop knot back there so that thing moves really freely. And people be amazed at how effective that can be at catching fish. The other thing we've done some is trail one behind a buzz bait, same kind of thing for trout in a river. And it almost becomes like a dodger blade your buzz bait does. You throw a buzz bait with a little short six-inch long leader behind it and a, and a gold minnow behind it uh, or an unscented minnow as the case might be for legality, and you'll be amazed at how many trout in the river will run that thing down and grab that minnow. Oh, you're absolutely right. I want to go back to the ponds real quick, too, because there's one – technique that i use sometimes that i wanted to mention that's kind of a top water kind of a subsurface but i take a spinning rod i take a four inch finesse worm and i put a pretty good size hook in it for bass not huge maybe a two aught and i'll texas rig or bury that hook in there but i have pretty heavy line i mean i'm talking maybe 20 pound braid or more and I throw that in a really stout spinning rod, and I'll throw that out in the weeds on some of these ponds, and I'll actually skip that along the top of the weeds because it's unweighted, and you'll see the fish come up and swipe at it. And then when I get to a hole in the weeds, I just stop, and it slowly sinks in there. It is so effective, and it's so good at teaching people you can cast into that cover. I've caught so many bass doing that. Well, yeah, absolutely. Talk about four-wheel drive. That's kind of like frog. You can throw that thing anywhere. And uh, and with braid tied to straight braid, you don't need a leader or anything like that. Just Palomar knot that sucker right to a good heavy-duty hook. And uh, that's a great call. When I was younger, one of the things I did in Florida a ton was doing that with a big plastic lizard, like a seven- or eight-inch plastic lizard, uh, and put a big, like a 5 aught wide gap hook on it, straight braid line, just drag that thing in off the bank, throw it right in the bank and drag it in, just swim it across the surface real slow. And holy moly, you can catch a lot of fish doing that. And that works fantastic. And your total rig costs you about 75 cents. So if you did lose one, it's not a big deal at all. And that's a bulletproof way to go about fishing the, any of the ponds around here for sure. Certainly a great way to get a bunch of bites. But the key is you like you already alluded to, you have to throw it in the cover. That's the whole shooting match. I was on Carter Lake the other day, uh, caught a grand total of about six fish, and there wasn't one of them that was more than six inches away from heavy cover. They just were buried in it, and uh, and that's what you're going to find in a lot of the cases right now. As the vegetation comes up, certainly in the ponds around here, the fish are just buried in it. There's no such thing as too heavy a vegetation for a largemouth bass in a pond. And uh, and the closer you throw or the more you throw in that stuff, uh, the more of them you're going to get to bite. Whether you can get them out of there is up to you as an angler. That's a whole other story. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, I some of the best, my largest 
largemouth in Minnesota, where I do quite a bit, you fished up there, you know what it's like, came out of a little hole in the Mississippi River that was probably two feet from shore. And if you had to pitch over the weeds and drop uh, a, a plastic bait into a hole and then hope you had enough line and rod to crank it out of there, but it was probably a uh, you know, a seven pound pushing seven pound fish, but it was in a hole so shallow and small that you'd never think a fish would be there. Chad, before I let you go, we got a couple minutes. Um, if you were headed out to Father's Day, or maybe this week is supposed to be really nice, a couple places you might go. Well, I can say that, that, um, everywhere I've been lately is fishing pretty good, you know? Uh, so you've really got options as far as that go, but, but all the bass ponds around town, if I can go early in the morning or late in the day, Almost any one of the gravel quarry ponds and up and down the entire front range is going to fish really well. And like, so I'd probably do a little bit of a pond tour and I'd run around and throw at every hard edge of cattails I could get and throw right on the edge. I'd throw at every one of the grass mats, you know, anything like that. I'd be really focusing on that. Great way to catch some good largemouth right now. And it's available to everybody up and down, you know, a quick hour long trip anywhere up and down the front range, you've got a place you can probably do that. So that's one of my favorites, too, is the heavy cover bass, as we already talked about. But the reservoirs are fishing really good for numbers right now, and uh, and I know that's the case up and down. Also, the front range, Chatfield's kicking out a lot of fish. Horse two's kicking out a lot of fish, Pueblo. And so, really, those options are good as well. But given that I live right here and and everything's going on with society right now. I'm putting a boat in horse tooth. I'm picking a popper up, and I'm going to throw a wacky rig back at anybody that misses it. And I'm going to drop the trolling motor, and I'm just going to plunder the plunder the secondary banks everywhere I go. And don't worry about all the paddle boards and the way about the boats. They're there, but the fish don't care. They just flat don't care. Well, and I made that point earlier. I was talking to Nate about Cherry Creek that I used to catch some of my biggest walleyes trolling right in the wake of the speedboats. Those speedboats would come through and stun the shad, and I'd be right behind them with a little, like a flicker shad, not almost in the wake of my boat. And uh, if you're not going to eat these days because there's activity on the reservoir, that'd be like saying I'm never going to sleep because I live near the airport. It's just you got to find a way. And those fish are going to find a way and they're going to do it. Chad, if somebody wants to book a guide trip or they want to get more information, how do they find you? Fishful Thinker. That's all you got to remember. If you Google Fishful Thinker, you'll find me. But fishfulthinker.com is where you can you can get information on our guide trips. We do ask people to contact us first before they actually book. So shoot us an email and tell us you want us to. Uh, just because of scheduling issues, we want to make sure we can get people on the schedule. We've had quite a few people that are just booking without talking to us, and I can't accommodate their date. So get a hold of us first at fishfulthinker.com. And of course, that our social media is at fishfulthinker on Facebook and Instagram, very important. And then our YouTube channel, as you know, Terry, we're putting a lot of effort into that these days and uh, would love people to go check that out and subscribe. We're doing some giveaways there about once a month or so. Uh, giveaway a Revo EXD, a $300 casting reel the other day, just randomly picked a subscriber of our YouTube channel. So that EXD is made for throwing extra distance, perfect for throwing a walking bait way out there. So uh, anyway, that, yeah, that would be the best place, fishfulthinker.com, if you really want a bunch of information. And we need to get out on the water. It's been forever since we fished together. Well, give me an hour. The paddleboard's already in the water right here, and I'm headed out. So, uh, yeah, I can put the big boat in the water today, but I'll be on the paddleboard, and I'll be throwing a popper and a wacky rig. You watch. <laughs> All right. All right, my friend, you have a great weekend. Thanks. You as well. Thank you, Terry. Have a good day. Happy Father's Day. All right. You bet. You bet. Same to you, Chad Lachance from Fishful Thinker. We're going to wrap things up. 
Um, we're going to be covering a lot of ground over these next few weeks. I want to cover some safety issues. Got a lot of new people outdoors. I want to talk about lightning. I want to talk about sunscreen. I want to talk some more survival. And, of course, we want to start hunting seasons are coming up. We want to get you ready for that. And there's lots of fishing going on. We're going to cover all that and more every Saturday from 9 to 11 right here on 104.3 The Fan. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and view our YouTube at The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Well, thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Karen. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and more sports on 104.3 The Fan. Yeah,